KYW Original Podcasts. The Coronavirus Pandemic from KYW In-Depth. Last week, we made an episode where we took listener questions about COVID-19, uh, phone calls we got from listeners about coronavirus, and then we asked them to KYW's medical editor, Dr. Brian McDonough. The response to that episode was awesome, and the listener calls are still coming in, so we're just going to keep doing them on the podcast. Dr. Brian McDonough is back with us right now. Hello, sir. Hi, how are you? Doing well. Uh, I haven't checked in for a few days. Everything all good with you? It's good. It's good. I mean, as you can imagine, it's very hectic. You know, on the, on the medical side, we're seeing, you know, uh, just a lot more people who are concerned, and, and we were seeing the cases rise kind of as we would expect throughout the community. So it's, uh, we definitely know we have a big fight on our hands. Well, all the best to you. I know you and other medical professionals, doctors, nurses, um, emergency responders are playing an incredibly important role in all of this. We have a bunch of questions for you, so let's just get right into it. Joanne says, uh, my question for the doctor. I work in the giant grocery store, and I'd like to know how I can protect myself with waiting on so many people. Well, that's one of the places where we still have a lot of people now, the the grocery stores, because we're keeping them open, obviously, because that's a very important service. I think the thing you need to do, first of all, is wash your hands on a repeated basis. That's very important. Nothing better than soap and water. And um, if you're serving people in the store and you're near a basin, that's great. If not, you could also do it with uh, one of those gels, you know, and make sure you take care of it. Also, make sure you clean your surfaces. Uh, The other thing that we're also stressing, which I think is really important, is that six-foot social distancing. And you'll be able, you should be able to stay outside of six feet. That's important as well. Um, I wouldn't be shy this time, um, especially with what's going on. If somebody's like coughing, you say, "Could you please, sir or ma'am, could you please cough into your into your sleeve or the, you know to the crook of your elbow?" Don't don't put up with it if people are doing things. I mean, sometimes people sneeze; it's unexpected. Things can happen, but but if it's clearly somebody not worrying about that, I think you you have every right for for you and for everyone else to make sure people do that. All right, Dr. Benzetta, uh next question. Uh, this is from Rob. I'm an uh, Uber driver. Uh, I drive for Uber. I want to know if it's uh, safe for me to continue to drive Uber because I do pickups uh, at the Philadelphia National Airport, third station, the train station, and also the bus station uh, at 10th and Philadelphia. I do pickups. And I pick up people who uh, come from different parts of the world. Um, so I want to know if it's safe for me to continue to drive Uber because uh, I do not want to get sick and I don't want to make nobody else sick. Well, there are certain risks. Obviously, first of all, if you're someone who's in a high-risk group, you're over 65, you have a chronic illness, heart disease, lung disease, diabetes, kidney problems, something like that, you may want to really consider reconsider doing that because you are out in the public. But in addition to that, what I would do is I would, and a lot of Uber drivers and taxi drivers have done this, you have like a hand sanitizer in the back. Uh, ideally, if you had some sort of shield between the back and, and front, that's helpful as well. And then cleaning down surfaces. Um, a lot of drivers are also worrying about the next client, and they're cleaning down the surfaces before someone even gets in. So it's all the same precautions, and it's just trying to reduce the uh, the direct uh, contact. So there is a greater risk, and uh, you don't know necessarily who you're going to be with, but you could obviously be in a food store or walking down the street and have similar risks. They shouldn't be a higher-risk group, um, except in your case, because you're mentioning it, the travel you know, that you might have people coming in from uh, either different countries or, or from hotbed areas in the United States. The next question is from Heather, and it's about contact with pets. I know they're not, they're saying that pets 
don't actually carry the COVID-19 coronavirus, but can pets spread it if you were to, say, have uh, coughed or sneezed around your pet? Could they actually get the virus on their fur and then somebody else pets the dog and they could pick the virus up like off that dog or that cat? Um, I think a lot of pet owners want to know how their pets uh, might play into this. I know some veterinarians have said if you're sick, don't cuddle with your pet. Um, Pets are often very um, consoling when you're sick. So um, thanks very much. Yes, you could answer that question directly. Uh, we often see poison ivy spread. People go, how did I get poison ivy? I wasn't in the backyard. I wasn't in the woods. Well, the pet may go in there and actually have the poison ivy, and, you know, you pet them and you get it. So it does stay on the coat uh, or any surface, so you could get it petting a pet, yes. That's so disappointing for me because I've been so careful with not touching my face and everything, and then I'm still snuggling my dog like normal. <laughs> Well, remember, too, you um, it's unless somebody is exposed or whatever, but you, you can be loving to your pet. But in fairness to the pet and to others, if, you're, if you have a cold or something, then I would stay away from the pet. You know, treat it like you would another person because we don't believe the pets get anything, but they can transmit it. So they, they could, you could almost be isolated in one part of your home and, be, and have an issue, and then the pet could go into another room and, and get somebody else in the family or, or a friend infected. So that's important. Right. All right. Uh, James says, my question is viruses like this apparently sometimes wane in the heat in the summer months. If that occurs, does that make travel safe? Well, we're going to be now we're at a point where we're actually trying to drag this out. You know, that whole concept of flattening the curve. What we're trying to do is reduce the number of people who are exposed. That's this whole social distancing and keeping things closed. We're trying to reduce the number who are exposed. We know a certain percentage are going to no matter what. But if we can spread it out over time, our health care facilities and everyone else will be able to adjust and to handle the influx of people. That's what's happening in Italy right now. You have too many people. So if you're talking about this summer, we may be at the point in, you know, nine, 12 weeks where it's kind of reached its peak and it's going down. And I think a lot of those things we're talking about as far as travel will start to be loosened up little by little. But I, as far as the temperature doing it, I know people talk about a relationship of temperature and cold and those things. Um, and, and there is some truth to it because we see people get sicker in the winter. But the main reason people get sicker in the winter is they're crowded together more and they spread things more. So it still could be out there in the summer. We just have to watch and see what happens with time. The next question is from Pete. My question is, once one gets sick, how long is the recovery and can you be reinfected? Well, first of all, the recovery varies by individuals. I mean, if you get really sick, it can be a long haul. If you're younger and you're exposed or you just get through it pretty good, it might just be, you know, a few days of a not feeling so great, feeling a little weak like you do to wear the normal cold, and then you kind of bounce back. As far as whether you get it, our, our understanding of coronavirus, the ones we've dealt with before, is you build an immunity to a specific strain. Now, a mutant strain or a different strain, for instance, the common cold is coronavirus, and now we have this different strain. We're still pretty good against the common cold, the different forms, but when it mutates is when we have trouble. So we may build up an immunity against COVID-19, but, you know, COVID-21 or 22 a few years down the road might be another issue, and that's why we're working so hard on, you know, both treatments and vaccines. All right, I have a question from Jeannie. If your family is quarantined as a presumptive COVID virus, 
is the whole family quarantined? And if so, what steps should you be taking at home to keep that virus from spreading to your other family members? She had a couple of follow-ups that I, I guess we'll just do one by one. Okay, so we look at this, it's a tough one. And the thing you have here in this case is when I send somebody home now without a test, for instance, and I say, oh, you're at risk for COVID-19, stay home. There's been a lot of people who have said, that they are there well while schools were open you know the, the son and daughter can't go to school and somebody else can't go to work and blah 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 on and on but we didn't even have a positive test that person who we're basically sending home to see how they do for a few days and if they get better we're not so concerned if it's COVID-19 positive like someone tests positive for COVID-19 at least to this point when we've been having fewer tests, we obviously alert everyone that there was a COVID-19 positive person, and then their contacts then are also checked, and it becomes much more of a of a desire to get people to stay out of circulation. So now that we're doing this mass, kind of almost a mass social uh, distancing and isolation, we're, we're going to probably be a little more aggressive with telling people to stay home, you know, as families. And and that's, again, individually, you can work with your doctor for that, for the specific cases. All right. So uh, Jeannie had a couple follow-up questions. She asks, uh, should you be bleaching down your shower? Should you be putting your clothes into plastic bags and washing them after you've worn them? Do you wear masks inside of the house? Okay, so if someone is COVID-19 positive, if you have the room, I probably would have them be in one specific part of the house, maybe the master bedroom or the bedroom and bath, and they kind of stay in that area. It's really hard to contain it. I mean, you can come in washing your hands, you can clean surfaces, and you can do that. But, you know, if someone really is positive and they're coughing and, you know, they're sneezing and things, and and if it's that kind of a situation, it's going to get you know, on, on the bedspread. It's going to get on the bureau. It's going to get, I mean, it, it, it would be almost impossible to keep cleaning it. So uh, what we try to do, if you can, is put a person in that area, one area of the house, and then have others stay somewhere else. Uh, that's one possibility. Um, and again, this is if they're, if they're people who are uh, being quarantined after a positive test. We also watch other people then, and we say, well, a certain percentage are probably going to get positive. I mean, remember, we think that 70% of the U.S. population or any population will get this. So if you have someone in your family with it, the odds are much stronger that others will. What I need to stress and tell people is if you've got someone who is a senior citizen or at very high risk, that's the kind of person, if you can, you get them out of this situation or out of the house, you know, to protect them. So if you had, let's say, a, a grandfather living with you and you might have another sibling, that would be the time I would have that person go, you know, to a sibling's house. And again, and got to make sure we're not spreading it from one family to another. But, you know, these are all discussions that you'd have. But I certainly, from a layer of protection for the older person, try to get them out of the situation. All right. I have a question from Mary here. I wanted to know if uh, the coronavirus could be spread or caught through uh, putting one's laundry in a laundromat. Can one get it uh, through the laundry unless one uses the hottest water? Thank you. No, I don't think the water temperature and that's as big of an issue. Your better chance of getting it would be, you know, touching the, pushing the button to set 
the the laundry the laundromat, the washer dryer, whatever, because that might be an area that's dirty. I would like I would wipe down that area and touch it, and I would you know wipe down that. I the what's inside there usually with a dryer or a washer that's going to be pretty difficult for it to to spread. But it's the surfaces outside where there could be the issues. I'm gonna I'm gonna wait for uh, <laughs> that that chime to go down. What well, any time a baby's born in the hospital? <laughs> like that, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, well, well, congratulations to whoever. <laughs> to someone, yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, and uh, last question. I have a question from Robert. By the way, Robert says that he listens to you every day, so he's a big fan. Oh, that's good. Uh, Thank you. Robert says when you're following. Uh, uh, vehicles and you see people exhaling these loud, these large amounts of uh, vaped smoke. Um, clearly, they are blowing uh, somewhere um, closer to those six to eight feet that you need to be. Can coronavirus be transmitted through uh, the uh, vape smoke clouds that you see? Thank you very much and look forward to hearing your opinion. It's interesting you say that because I will tell you this, that when we do aerosolized treatments for patients, you know, and if you've ever seen it, sometimes when people have breathing difficulties, asthma or whatever, they sometimes need to have these treatments which help clear the lungs. You know, they and we wear, we wear masks, and I, I would have a shield over my, my eyes as well because, and, and the garb to protect myself, the gloves, because it can go out almost, you know, with the aerosolized form throughout a room because you're going to take someone who theoretically has it and push it throughout the room. Um, vape sounds like it would be it'd be a little it'd be similar in some respect. Obviously, it's superheated, um, so there's some protection there. But I would stay clear of vaping, and uh, I hope I think those rules are much the same as uh, we have for cigarette smoking. They should be you know they should be outdoors and and staying away from people. And again, another case where you can say to someone, listen, you know you're, you know you're blowing this out there. I don't want to have any risk, and tell them to be more considerate, or at the very least, get away yourself. All right, Dr. Brindana, those are all the questions we have uh, today. Thank you so much for coming yeah. back. Obviously, people really appreciate your answers to their questions. No, I think the more we do, the more education, it, it really helps. It's a time, this is the most critical time right now. The early stages are the most critical time because right now is when, you know, we can, as they say, flatten that curve. We can make a big difference and, and reduce the number of overall cases. So all of us have play a part. All right, sir, we'll do this again. Oh, absolutely. Call me when you need me. Sounds good. Thanks, Doc. All right, Tom. See you. Bye. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth Coronavirus. I'm Tom Rickert, and we'll be back with another episode soon.